0: Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkovsky. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that i share you can put into practice right away there are quizzes journal prompts self-reflection exercises self-love challenges all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me, and it's absolutely gorgeous, not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift, both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction, and I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to MarysCupoftea.com/slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's Mary's cup of dot com slash book, and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea Podcast. Today we are doing an episode. That might be difficult for you to hear, but necessary for you to heal. Wow, I didn't even write that down. I just came up with that, but it perfectly describes what this episode will be about, which is confronting a few disordered habits that you're probably still doing despite knowing better. So, what I'm talking about is you've been in recovery for a while, maybe you're an eating disorder warrior. Or maybe you're just on a path of unsubscribing from diet culture and learning to accept your body and learning to love yourself as a whole. So wherever you're at on your journey, there are some diet cultured habits slash behaviors and some things that we've been brainwashed to do subconsciously because of beauty standards and fat phobia and all of that fun stuff that we know about, but sometimes it's a little bit difficult to actually put it into practice, especially these little pesky habits that we've been doing for so long, like probably since childhood. So of course, it's going to take a little bit of time for us to stop doing them. But the first step is to admit to ourselves that we're doing them. And how this episode came up is I am actually doing a 10-week voice Coaching program, and I'm studying a technique called Fitzmorris Voice Work. It's a group class over Zoom, and it's all about creating room in your body so that your voice has a place to reverberate. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's basically about expanding the channels in your body. So it involves a lot of like mind-body breath kind of connection where you're literally letting go of tension in the body so that. Your voice comes naturally and you feel more present in the moment and you just feel empowered by the way you speak. You might be able to tell that I just came from voice class or maybe not because it's only my third class. But in that class today, a woman unmuted herself to ask a question about holding in your stomach. And she's like, Is it just me? Or I'm more prone to hold in my stomach while I'm standing and it's harder for me to let it go than it is when I'm sitting. And it just hit me how so many women, especially, and this, she is not the first person to talk about holding in her stomach during this voice class, and the people who were talking about it were all women, and the class is actually majority men, so it just kind of highlighted that we are just so trained to hold in our stomachs at all time. And especially when we're standing, we just feel this need to clench, right? And I think that clenching is symbolic of the greater picture is that we're trying to take up less space and we're trying to make ourselves smaller and we're trying to stay in control, right? Whether that control is of our bodies or of other people's perceptions of our bodies. We just have been trained to suck in our stomach. So that is the first habit that I'm going to bring up to you. And you probably know you're doing it. To be honest with you, sometimes I do it. And actually, not sometimes. All of these things that I'm talking to you about today are things that I've caught myself doing recently. So I'm not talking to you like some saint and I don't do these things because I also live in a society that's been brainwashed by diet culture and fat phobia. I'm telling you this in a sense that like I'm in your boat and I'm also constantly working to unlearn these things for the greater good and also for my own peace. So just so you know, we're all in the same boat, I'm just starting to become like hyper aware of these things and I'm able to like quickly catch myself and shift. Into something else. For example, relaxing my stomach. So I invite you to do that right now. Relax your stomach. Another thing this reminded me of in terms of sucking in your stomach, back when I was in college, so maybe like three or four years ago, I remember coming back to Arizona State University and I was a senior and I left one of my classes and saw that there was this like fair going on. I think it was a career fair. And so there were all these booths set up with people nicely dressed, mainly boys in suits. By boys, I mean men, but like people who are working and these men who were like, I don't know, there to talk to us about career stuff. And they were very handsome. (laughs) And I walked out of my class and this is when I was first starting to like Practice body acceptance very, very seriously. And I remember like feeling good about myself that day and having like a better body image day, which was very, very big for me. And the second I walked out and saw a hot guy, I instantly sucked in my stomach as I was preparing to walk by him. And again, this is just so, so telling with the way we've been trained to be as women and the way we view our bodies objectively and try to make ourselves desirable to other people, especially men, because most of us grew up in this heteronormative experience. And so I caught myself doing this. I wasn't proud of it. And after the fact, I told myself, and maybe this is something you can tell yourself too, I told myself that I don't want anyone who likes me because of the way I sucked in my stomach. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would rather have that person not think I'm attractive, not talk to me, not that he did anyways, but (laughs) I would much rather dodge that bullet now than start something, anything with a person who believes that my stomach needs to be flat or that I should look a certain way in order to be desirable or attractive. So hopefully that is something that you can also tell yourself and know that you are so worthy of breathing deeply. This is something that I've learned in yoga. There are times when, yeah, you have to like hold in your core a little bit to do certain poses. And maybe if you're an athlete of some sort, there's certain things you might be doing where holding in your core isn't like a, a beauty standard thing. It's just a functional thing, right? And Just like I learned in yoga, there are times when you get to let go and let yourself breathe. And if you think about how long we've been holding in our stomachs, that is restricting your literal airflow. So cut that shit out. You deserve to breathe and breathe deeply. On that note, I'm going to take a dramatic sip of tea to let that message sink in. Breathe, okay? Let it go and breathe. You don't have to hold on to your stomach. You don't have to suck in in order to feel worthy. Let yourself expand and take up space and take deep breaths. The next thing, number two thing that you are probably still doing subconsciously, I know I am and I hate when I do it because I'm like, Mary, you should know better, but I must admit, body checking. The thing about body checking is that there's a fine line between looking at yourself in the mirror when you're getting ready or dressed or something normal like that and looking at yourself in the mirror when you really, really don't need to. So here's my advice to you if you catch yourself body checking. First of all, you need to figure out when you're doing it the most. Is it in the morning when you first wake up? do you instantly go to the bathroom and like lift up your pajamas just to see what your stomach looks like that day? That is disordered. Stop doing that. Or maybe it's after you shower. For me, this was a big one because back in my eating disorder fitness days, I used to always critique and obsess and look at my body after I showered because I felt like the steam was like making me smaller or something. So I would constantly body check after a shower. This is similar to noticing when you feel most tempted to weigh yourself. I used to go to this gym, again, back in my fitness slash eating disorder days. And after I showered at the gym, There was this scale that was right in between the showers and the locker rooms when I would get dressed. So literally after I showered, I shit you not, I would walk out like in a towel wrapped around my head and a towel wrapped around my body. I would take off the towel off my head and off my body so I would be standing butt ass naked in the woman's shower slash bathroom. And I would step on the scale at this gym because I convinced myself that it was the most accurate and it was the most accurate after I showered. And then I would subtract like half a pound because I would tell myself that my hair was wet and that was adding on weight. Okay, that is messed up like literally messed up. Until this day, I'm actually a member of the same like gym chain, but in a different location. And the other day I had to take a shower at the gym and it was my first time showering at this place in years and years and years. And it was set up in the same way. So there was the showers and then a scale and then the locker room slash general getting dressed bathroom area, right? So as I was walking from the shower, me and the scale made eye contact and it looked at me and I looked at it and I said, not today, Satan, because I already knew that it was there and I knew that it would be tempting and I knew that it might trigger me. And there have been times in the past couple of years that I have fallen into that trigger and I did step on the scale before quickly running off of it. And I'm not proud of it. So again, nobody's perfect and we're all on this journey. But you have to know when and where you're most tempted to do it. And you have to do something else to avoid it or basically interrupt that habit. Because most of the time, these things that we're doing, these disordered behaviors, they are just a habit. And you have the power, the willpower to use it. In these moments so you just got to channel it everything within you and just say not today Satan and close your eyes and walk away so if you're body checking while you're getting ready in the bathroom Close your eyes, walk away, and maybe get ready in like a different part of your house where maybe the mirror cuts off at just your face. So you can do your makeup without staring at your body. Or maybe you just need a switch in scenery. Like maybe it has nothing even to do with the mirror. Maybe it's just the whole like habit thing that you have between like waking up and going to the bathroom and looking at yourself in the mirror and taking a shower and looking at yourself in the mirror. Like maybe it's just this routine that you need to interrupt. Back when I used to do private coaching, I had this client and we were working on binge eating. And she would tell me that every time she would come home from work, she would walk in to her house and go straight to the refrigerator and binge because she was so stressed and hungry and tired from work. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, That's totally normal, like you're just looking for a stress release after getting home from a long day at work. But given that this is happening every single day, that just shows me that it is literally like your body and brain is just on autopilot, and you don't even realize you're doing it half the time. So I asked her, I said, walk me through the layout of your house and how you walk in. And she said, okay, well, I walk in through my garage because I park my car in the garage. I walk in through my garage. And the garage door into my house leads straight into the kitchen and I see the refrigerator right away. And I said, okay, what if instead of walking through the garage, you could walk in through your front door and just see what happens. I'm not telling you that you won't go to the refrigerator, but just see what happens when you pattern interrupt. So the key is not to be like, I'm going to take this different route and avoid the refrigerator. Like, yeah, you could try doing that, but chances are that's going to lead to a lot of stress. And remember that what you resist will persist. So if you really, really, really resist, sometimes there is such a thing as exerting too much willpower, and that's kind of going to backfire, and you might end up binging anyways. But the key is just to kind of like notice what your body and brain does When you pattern interrupt, maybe you walk in through your front door and instead of going straight to the refrigerator, you can go into your bedroom to change into something more comfortable, like out of your work clothes and into your home clothes, and then see if you want to binge. And if you do, like, you know, do what you got to do, but maybe you can make yourself a snack. And maybe creating a different pattern in a different way, a different routine in that sense is going to give you just enough redirection so that you can make different choices. So that's just an idea. Does that make sense? When it comes to body checking, it's all about pattern interrupting. And again, I want to reassure you that this takes time. Okay, If you've been body checking for a decade, then of course it is a very nasty habit and you're going to feel a lot of anxiety and resistance trying to break it. But if you could avoid it just once, one time is enough to break a habit. Just like me saying to that scale, not today, Satan, the next time I go to the gym, chances are the scale will still look at me, but maybe I won't look back at it. And then the third time I walk into that gym, I won't even notice the scale. It'll be just a thing that's so far in my past that I don't even care to think about it. Of course, it's not going to happen over three days as simply as I described it right now, but it's just about rewiring your brain and habit interruption and breaking those patterns is one way that we can powerfully do that. Okay, so this third disordered habit that you might still be doing is kind of funny, and I swear I'm not being facetious here, but it just feels so, so real and so true even for me in this moment. But it is letting your poop determine your mood. How many of us, again, if we've been dieting for a long time, chances are we probably have this weird relationship with our bowel movements where if we don't, go to the bathroom in the morning, then we're going to feel shitty all day because we're going to associate that with feeling bloated and heavy and lethargic and all of the things that diet culture has told us our bowels are related to. I want to insert a caveat that I am fully aware that there is like this gut-brain connection and there's a lot of serotonin living in the gut and healthy bowel movements are definitely not underrated. Like, If you go to the bathroom, you probably will feel better about yourself, but I want to challenge that and ask how much of that, quote, feeling better about yourself after taking a shit, how much of that is related to diet culture? How much of that are you convincing yourself that you're feeling just because you like the feeling of being lighter? If you're anything like me, you probably used to go to the bathroom before weighing yourself. So there's that association in your brain. And also maybe taking a poop helps make you feel like your stomach is flatter. And again, maybe there's a little bit of truth to it. Like we all know what feeling bloated is. But how much of that are you allowing to control and determine your life? and what you're feeling, and how you're letting yourself experience it, and your body image as a whole. Back when I was, again, just starting to heal from my disordered relationship with food, and learning to accept my body, I used to convince myself that if I went to the bathroom, that means I was having a good body image day. But really, I just went to the bathroom, and I kind of like tricked my brain into convincing itself that At least this was less disordered than skipping breakfast, but still, I was really, really attached to a certain thing, determining how much I allow myself to feel at peace with my body. So maybe you're doing that too, okay? Remind yourself that stressing about it is only going to make you more constipated, and you need to trust that your body knows when it needs to poop, and if you need help or a doctor or to figure something out in a gentle nutrition type of way, then feel free to take those steps too if you're really constipated, and this is a constant thing in your life. But if you had a morning where your body just didn't want to shit, then that's not a big deal. You don't need to let that influence your body image. And also remind yourself that even if you went to the bathroom that day, it doesn't mean that you're... Like, guaranteed a good body image day. Do you know what I mean? Like, before in our disordered days, we probably associated pooping with losing weight. So that's why it kind of made us feel better about ourselves. But we're different people now. We don't make those associations anymore. A poop is just a poop and has nothing to do with our body image. I really hope my social media manager puts that as the quote on the Mary's podcast account because that would be too funny. A poop is just a poop and says nothing about your body image. So remind yourself of that when you feel tempted to let your poop influence your mood. Number four, the fourth disordered habit you might still be subconsciously holding on to is beating yourself up for overeating. Part of learning your hunger and fullness cues is to sometimes overeat so that next time you know what feels good and what doesn't. Next time you kind of know your threshold or your limit or how much of something you like to eat before it starts feeling uncomfortable. And also, even people who have been intuitively eating for a while, they still overeat sometimes. Like, it's totally normal. Again, part of intuitive eating isn't just this physical thing, and it's not necessarily eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full. Like, yeah, that's a part of it, but there's also this big part of it that sometimes eating is emotional. Sometimes cake tastes good and you want a second slice. Sometimes you want to kind of like veg out on the couch and eat a bag of chips and you probably ate the whole bag. And now you're like, ugh, I shouldn't have ate the whole bag. But you're not gonna beat yourself up over it because it's just freaking chips. It doesn't decide your worth, they tasted good, And in an hour, you'll feel better. So just move on with your life and watch Netflix peacefully. That is the self-talk that I embody when I'm eating chips on the couch. So maybe the next day, I'm like, okay, the full bag of chips didn't feel so good. Maybe I kind of stop myself at half a bag and see how I'm doing. But I'm doing it in a very gentle, self-compassionate kind of way, not like, oh my God, Mary, I can't believe you ate those chips. You should have known better. Now you feel like shit, uh, you know, and all of that self-talk that goes with it. Like overeating or mindless eating or munching and crunching on something just because it's yummy is totally normal. So don't beat yourself up for overeating. That is disordered and that is diet culture talking. Branching off of that, the fifth and last disordered habit that I kind of noticed within myself in this, low-key, sneaky way is my old eating disorder voice will sometimes pop up and feel oddly proud of myself for under-eating. And usually this happens when I'm like really caught up in work or I have a lot to do and I'm kind of just like stuck in my office or I've been running around running errands all day and realize that all I've had for lunch is an iced coffee. And I notice that I kind of feel this low-key, weird, sense of like, I don't know, accomplishment. Because when my boyfriend asks, what do you have for lunch today? And I'm like, nothing. I was too busy. I say it with this like arrogance, I guess, or this like little piece of like, yeah, that's how hard I'm working, that's how disciplined I am, that's how much I don't care about food. <laughs> like, it's almost a little bit snobby and pretentious, and I know that that's kind of my eating disorder voice, putting on this mask and, and disguise, because It's still there a little bit in the background, like recovery is this conscious, conscious process that takes a really long time. And because of diet culture, it's really, really hard to fully recover. So although I consider myself fully recovered, there will still be moments of this popping up and it's just about how you deal with it, right? So I kind of catch myself like sometimes very rarely skipping a meal and then feeling this like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like this weird sense of pride is the best words for it, I guess. So one thing that you have to remind yourself of is that maybe this is, well, for me personally, and because I notice it when I talk to my boyfriend, maybe it's like a weird cry for help. Like I almost want him to notice that I haven't ate and I almost want him to be like, that's not good. You should eat lunch, babe. Like, I crave that, you know, and I'm really happy when he does say that. And also, I need to be able to say that for myself. Like, I need to be able to be like, Mary, skipping lunch is not a badge of honor. You're not any more accomplished just because you didn't eat. You could have totally had a smoothie or a snack or, like, sat down to eat something. And also, remind yourself that this skipping meals only means that you're not prioritizing yourself. So, having snacks around— is a form of self-care. My friend Zoe, shout out to you, Zoe. I'm always so inspired by you. My friend Zoe posted on Instagram recently how she has this fully stocked snack drawer filled with bars and like packaged goodies that you could just take and go to your office or wherever you're going. And having snacks at your disposal is so important because on those days when you might be too busy to eat or things are getting hectic, you still need to eat. It's not an excuse. You get to prioritize yourself. You get to take care of yourself. And you get to not feel proud for not eating. That was like too many negatives. Stop feeling proud when you skip meals. That is your old voice talking. That's disordered. That's diet culture. We don't fuck with that anymore. So let that shit go. Okay? I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you a loving kick in the butt. This was also really therapeutic for me to kind of talk through a couple of things that I personally need to work on in my journey because again, it's a journey and we all catch ourselves doing these things. We all live in a society, in a world that encourages a lot of these behaviors. So fighting them is like a a daily thing, a daily mental exercise. So I hope this gives you the encouragement that you need too. I love you so much and I will talk to you next time. Mua! One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah!